Shalom, and thank you for listening to Beit Zayit Messages. If you enjoy this teaching, consider joining us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. at 465 Lee Highway in Verona, Virginia, for our morning Shabbat services. Or watch the service live stream on YouTube, Facebook, or on our website at BeitZayit.org slash live. May the Father bless you richly through the hearing of His Word. Uh, telling you a story about what happened down in uh, Lexington. Do, do you remember the story? Does anyone remember the story? What was it about? Jesus, right? For, the, for those of you who don't know, I was, I was down in, in Lexington uh, running my route, and I really had to go to the bathroom. And so I went running through, you know, kind of like running through the food line to the back to their bathroom. And while I was in the stall, sorry, it's kind of a, kind of a gross story. But uh, this, someone came in, because it was several, it was uh, like three-stall bathroom kind of a thing. And someone came in, and, and I heard them in there, and they were just joyfully singing, cheese it's cheese it's cheese its mm-hmm-hmm-hmm, while they were doing their business, right? And I'm like, is this like the, the Nabisco rap or something? I mean, what is, what is, he's just delivered some cheese its in the back. cheese it's cheese it's cheese its mm-hmm-hmm-hmm, right? And uh, as the more I listened, I'm like, wait a minute. And he was actually singing, Jesus, 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 because then he said, there's something about that name, you know, and I'm like, oh, so I kind of misunderstood, right? So, uh, which I do a lot. I mean, right? I mean, it's, it's Alan, right? He, he, he misunderstands a lot. So uh, I, was, uh, I was on Facebook last, last night when I should have been probably putting the sermon together, but I thought you guys needed a little, one of those misunderstanding stories. Let's, let's, that's what we'll call them, right? It's a misunderstanding story. You, you, think, you think it's this way, but it's this way, right? And, and the guy in the food line was not a, a cheese, it, cheese cracker rep. He was singing about Jesus, right? And um, so, yeah, you know the song, uh, Smoke on the Water? Right. Well, somebody posted on there, like, you know, have you ever, like, known a song all your life and thought you knew the lyrics, and then you come to find out that you didn't know the lyrics at all, right? Well, this person said, the best I heard was a guy that thought the song Smoke on the Water was singing, slow-talking Walter, the fire engine guy. That has nothing to do with my sermon, but it made me, like... I think I woke up the dog and Jackie because they were already asleep and, and, and I read that last night and I thought, slow-talking Walter, yeah, the fire engine guy. Anyway, now, now I have to get serious after that and, and uh, share a little bit of the word with you. Amen? Let's pray. Avinu Malkinu, our Father and King. Uh, Lord, I thank you for laughter and your word says that laughter does a heart good like a medicine and uh, this congregation knows that's why I'm here. Uh, to, to give them something to laugh at, but I'm okay with that because uh, we, we believe it's doing good things for, for uh, your flock. Lord, also, uh, just be with me for the rest of this message. I should have asked you beforehand. We would have never told the joke, <laughs> but uh, be with me for the rest of this message, Lord, and, and uh, open ears, open eyes, open hearts that they would uh, hear and see and, and receive uh, to, to Shema, to listen with the intent of taking it away and doing something with it, to, to obey your word this morning. And uh, Lord, much less of me for the remaining part of this time this morning, and much more of you. In Yeshua's name. And somebody said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. So this week's portion uh, is Shemot, right? Uh, or Shemot, uh, depending on where you're from. 
uh, north or south Israel. Um, but, uh, and the, the title of my message this morning is uh, From Survivors to Thrivers. Can I get an amen? amen? All right. Last week we concluded the book of Genesis, and this week we've begun the book of Exodus. Last week we, we did the Hazak, uh, Hazak, Benit, you know, the be strong, be strong, let us be strengthened thing. And now we're starting a new book this week. Up to this point, we've been studying a brief history of the world leading up to the emergence of the children of Israel. It wasn't heavy at all, right? It was the, the, the beginning of creation all the way up to the forming and the emergence of the children of Israel. Uh, beginning in the book of Exodus, however, we now begin to learn about how God calls Israel out from among the other nations of the earth to be a bride for himself. From here, we will learn about the marriage covenant between God and Israel and their unique responsibilities in this covenantal relationship. And now, however, we're learning about how God raised up a single man who would be faithful over the flock of Israel and lead them in, into the paths of righteousness. And this man, of course, was Noah. No? Oh, okay. I was, uh, just a little quiz for you, just a little test. I was trying to keep a straight face. I'm not very good at that. Anyway, it's about Moses, right? After we read of the miraculous incidents surrounding the birth of Moses and how he was taken into Pharaoh's court to be raised there, we're given our first glimpse into the compassion he had for his own people. We read about that in Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, where it says, One day, when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that. Say, this way and that. Say, he looked this way and that. And seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. The English Standard Translation says that Moses looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he took action. However, the Hebrew is a little more visual. It says, uh, because there was no man, he struck down the Egyptian. We can read this two ways. The first way is to say that because no one was watching him, he killed the Egyptian. Like, you know, before you do something wrong, you go, okay, and then you, and then you, you know, eat the chocolate or whatever. Uh, but uh, this seems to be the plain and simple meaning of the text. However, we can also read it to say that because there was not another man available to defend the Hebrew slave, Moses rose to the occasion. If we think about this incident in these terms, it will help us understand the words of Hillel, the elder. Hillel taught his disciples, slide 3, from a vote, chapter 2, verse 6, in a place where there are no men, strive to be a man. You know, if there are no men present... Uh, uh, Jewish, uh, Jewish tradition is that um, you need ten men in the congregation, and that's called a minion, right? Uh, and and uh, I guess the, if there are only nine, you can actually include the Torah scroll, as, and it's kind of like standing in as the tenth man, right, to, to say you have a minion. But if there's something that needs to be done and there's no man to do it, in a place where there's no man, strive to be a man. Strive, and I would, add, I would add, strive to be that man, 
the man that needs to, 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 to step in and do what needs to be done, uh, be who God needs them to be, uh, and just, just do it, right? Uh, maybe Hillel had in mind the actions of Moses in this incident. Because there was not an other man to do what needed to be done, Moses had to become a man who would defend his brother. Leviticus 19.16 literally says, You shall not stand against the blood of your neighbor. However, it has always been interpreted to mean that we are obligated to defend those who are not capable to defend themselves. This is exactly what Moses did, and most likely an aspect of what Hillel intended in his statement. We are to be a man when there are no others willing to be one. Recently, there was a terrorist, uh, actually it was, it's, I mean, there's always terrorist attacks, unfortunately, in, in, in the, the, the land. But re, uh, there was a terrorist in Israel running around stabbing people at random. An Israeli man saw him and took, af, took off after him. After a long chase, he was finally able to subdue the terrorist and bring him to justice, but not without receiving knife wounds himself. In an interview after the event, he described how he did not feel that he was a hero, nor were his actions optional. He said that the Torah did not allow him to stand by idly while the blood of his brothers and sisters was being shed. Because of the values he learned in the Torah, he became a man who saved the lives of others and brought a heinous reprobate to justice. Most of us will never be in a situation like this, praise the Lord, Baruch Hashem, uh, where we are responsible for the lives of others. However, all of us are put into situations routinely that give us an opportunity to forsake complacency and become a man. As the popular expression goes, evil triumphs when good men do nothing. If you look to your left and to your right and don't see a man, then your time has come. Be a man rather than merely looking for one. Uh, we'll go to slide four. I printed this out last night, and my, my printer was running out of ink. <laughs> this could get interesting. Okay, there we go. That's Exodus, right? Okay. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply, and if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh store cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and the more they spread abroad. Did that all line up right back there? Okay, good. <laughs> the blessings of Jacob upon Ephraim and Manasseh had come to pass, and the Hebrews had proliferated into a multitude in the midst of the earth. However, fearing the growing number of these Hebrews, the new Pharaoh came up with a plan to ensure that this growing minority would not overrun Egypt. He set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. That's from Exodus 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 11, rather. Thus began the oppression of the children of Israel in the land of Egypt. In this week's portion, we read several descriptions of how the Hebrews were mistreated, including the cruel decree that all of their newly born infant boys were to be thrown into the Nile. 
Life for the descendants of Jacob was harsh, to say the least. Each day was a struggle for survival. But somehow, they not only survived, they thrived. Immediately after learning about Pharaoh setting taskmasters over the Hebrews, we read, But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread uh, spread abroad. After the Hebrew midwives are instructed to kill the baby boys, we read, And the people multiplied and grew very strong. No matter what the Egyptians did to try and destroy the family of Jacob, they could not succeed. The God of Jacob had other plans for his people. Many times we feel the crushing blows of life beating us down beyond what we can withstand. Rather than thriving like the Hebrews, we go into survival mode and our world comes crashing down around us. What was their secret? And how can we move from surviving to thriving in difficult circumstances? First, we need to understand that the fundamental nature of suffering is not to destroy us, but to transform us. I'll read that again. The fundamental nature of suffering is not to destroy us, but to transform us. The Talmud offers a practical approach to understanding suffering in these terms. Slide 5. Uh, Rabbah says, If a man sees that painful sufferings visit him, let him examine his conduct. As it is said, let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. If he examines and finds nothing objectionable, let him attribute it to the neglect of the study of the Torah. As it is said, Blessed is the man whom you discipline, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your Torah. If he did attribute it thus and still did not find this to be the cause, let him be sure that these are chastenings of love, as it is said, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves. As this passage suggests, sometimes suffering is meant to cause us to repent. Sometimes it's to drive us back to the Word of God. Sometimes, however, it is simply because our Heavenly Father desires, so, uh, for, an un- desires for an unknown good. Uh, in an oft-quoted passage, James, the brother of our Master, reminds us of this same principle. Count it all joy, my brothers or my brethren, uh, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Paul had a similar understanding in Romans. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Paul also understands that all suffering will eventually be beneficial in the end. He reminds the congregation in Corinth, if we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. I have a slide for that. Yep, okay. Uh, when an immense amount of pressure and heat is applied to a lump of carbon over a long period of time, it doesn't merely crumble. It produces a diamond. The apostle understood that suffering is supposed to produce fruit. Let me read that again. The apostle understood that suffering is supposed to produce fruit, but it is all about our mindset. Although it is extremely difficult, if we keep these principles in mind during our times of suffering, We can be like the Hebrews in Egypt 
and be transformed from merely survivors to thrivers. Just, just like the fireman, what was his name? Earl? <laughs> anyway, like, I'd like, I, I, aren't you glad I started with a joke this morning? Our suffering is not to, to cripple us and, and destroy us, it's to perfect us. And that's uh, something to think about and have a say-law moment with, right? So let me pray for you real quick before I, I get out of your way here. Avino Malcano, I thank you for your word. And again, um, just, just uh, help us to receive a little harder message uh, and um, understand that um, you, don't want, you don't want to destroy us. You want to perfect us. Thank you for your son, Yeshua, who, who makes, makes us uh, the possibility of us coming into this, this arrangement, this agreement, this relationship with you. And uh, we glorify you and praise you in your son, Yeshua's name. Amen. Thank you, folks. Shabbat Shalom. I'm out. Again, thanks for joining us for the Bates I Eat Messages podcast. This podcast is an extension of Bates I Eat Messianic Congregation, a group of Jews and Gentiles, one in Messiah, currently meeting in Verona, Virginia. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review along with a five-star rating or give us a thumbs up wherever you're listening from. If you're interested in learning more about the Creator and His Word from a Messianic Jewish perspective, check out our website at baitsie.org for helpful resources and more information. Until next time, Shalom. Uh-huh.